Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is sponsored actually by two different companies. So uh, first one is my friends over at Mercury Mile. They're fusing fashion and function for all runners. Mercury Mile creates a personal shopping experience for both men and women at any stage in their running journey. It's fun. It's easy. You just have to create your profile on mercurymile.com. Pick a shipping date and then receive and explore a curated box of incredible apparel with you from your personal stylist that matches your fit, style, and unique running needs. Keep what you love. Send back what you don't. Free shipping and free returns as always and no subscription required. You just order the box when you want it. What could be more fun or easier than that? Try it today. MercuryMile.com. If you do... If you do, you can support the show, Rambling Runner 10. Saves you 10 bucks if you use the promo code at checkout, and it helps the show. So that would be great. Um, I actually wore a Mercury Mile jacket today. It was unseasonably cold again in Rhode Island, but they sent me a New Balance running jacket, and it did the trick. I mean, don't get me wrong, the rest of my body was still cold, but my top wasn't, so that was nice. So uh, shout out to Mercury Mile. Also, Big ups to On Your Mark. That's On Your Mark with a Q instead of a K. Um, they are hooking us up with 50 Rambling Runner t-shirts for their meetup on Sunday before the Boston Marathon at the Boston Common Coffee Company. Um, that's going to be a blast from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. on Sunday. I can't wait to see all the listeners who are going to be in and around the Boston area. That's going to be a lot of fun. And shout out to Lisa for, for making this happen. Uh, they sell a bunch of good stuff on On Your Mark. Um, that's their company name, but you can reach them at Get On Your Mark. Again, Mark with a Q. Um, GetOnYourMark.com. And their IG handle is Get On Your Mark as well. If you haven't checked out their stuff, I guarantee you, you have seen their shirts before. You just might not have known that they were the ones selling them. They sell a bunch of good stuff. And um, yeah, I can't say enough about them. And Lisa herself. Actually, Lisa's going to be a future guest on the podcast, not only because she does cool things with her company, but my goodness, when you hear her running story, she'd be a great person to have on the podcast, as I told her, no matter whether she started a running company or not. She's just a fabulous person. So with all of that being said, I have another fabulous person on the show today, Laura Pierce. Laura was on for Rambling Runner Funny Stories Part 1. That's episode 44. She was my co-host. Um, and in that episode, my better half, as it was pointed out to me by several people, they were really excited to have Laura on the show. Um, not necessarily this guy. But, hey, I can't complain. She did a wonderful job in that episode. And she did a wonderful job in this one as well. We dive um, into her running background, into her family background, and what's on tap for her next week at the Boston Marathon. I'm not going to give it away here in the intro. You're already listening, so you're about to hear it for yourself. But big ups to Laura for coming on. I really appreciate it. And in the coming weeks, we're going to do Funny Stories Part 2. Um, so if you liked Part 1, or even if you didn't listen to it yet, I'd advise you to go do so. Because part two, I have a feeling, is going to be even better. If for no other reason than we got probably twice as many submissions for part two than we did for part one. So all the part one funny st stories were funny. We just have more funny stories now. So hey, what could be better than that? Again, thanks to Mercury Mile. Thanks to On Your Mark. But you can find them at getonyourmark.com and IG. And thanks, most importantly, to this week's guest, Laura Pierce. 
Hello, Laura, and welcome back to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. That's the first time I've been able to, to say that at the beginning of a show. It's so weird. Uh, but it's fun to be back um, and as an official guest and not just your ridiculous co-host. So this is exciting. I wouldn't even say ridiculous co-host. I think <laughs> when we did the Funny Stories pod, I think it was universally um, universally mentioned that people were really excited to hear to hear you on the show. <laughs> not, uh, not there was there wasn't there wasn't anything to, plural about the hosts being mentioned. It was just one in particular. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And so we're going to be doing um, funny stories too. So we'll do that in the very near future. We've already collected a bunch, and we're really excited to do that. I think we got I think twelve people submitted stories that they did like an audio recording of. Oh my god! Sent it our way, and then some people did just writing it out that you know that we can read on the air again, like we did last time. But um, yeah, it'll be fun to kind of intersperse, you know, us reading a story versus um, you know, having someone else tell their story, which is usually provides a little more color, and certainly makes it a little easier to listen to than hearing me stutter my way through <laughs> a really well told story and ruining it halfway through. I think it turned out great, but all good. Yeah. So, but with that being said, the one universal comment I got after that, besides like, hey, this was really good. We got, it definitely got a lot of good feedback was, hey, you should have Laura on the show just to talk about Laura. Like the, the funny stories were great, but we want to hear about Laura. So, oh man, I'm excited to get you on the show. So this is, um, we should set the stage. So today is, let me just check my watch. It's Wednesday, April 11th. And for you, this is taper week leading into the Boston Marathon. Boston Marathon is next Monday. I guess first things first, how's this week going for you? I'm I'm in complete taper mode. Um, it is – I okay, so to start off, I am notoriously bad at the taper. Um, I never know, like, how much to run, what is too much, what is too little, and I think that that's, like, a universal feeling amongst a lot of runners. But – so far, so good. Um, it's a really normal taper for me. My body hates me. Um, I am just kind of going through the motions and phantom pains are popping up. And honestly, like, it is what it is. Uh, this is going to be my eighth marathon, so I'm used to it. Um, I kind of just am rolling with it. So when you say your body hates you, so you got the phantom <laughs> pains, what else, what, what other symptoms are, is, is your body giving you that it kind of expresses that disdain? So, like, just random, like, tightness and pain. Like, there will be just – I'll be sitting at work and just, like, minding my own business. And then, like, shin pain will pop up. And it's just like, why? Why now? We're five days out. Why are you doing this to me? And you know that it's your brain just playing games with you. And your brain just – just knows that you're you're five days away from one of the most important races of uh, your life, and it just it just wants to test your strength a little bit. So I'm kind of just going with it. Um, right now, I'm just incredibly grateful that I've made it this far, um, this all the way through this cycle with uh, no injuries. That is amazing to me. Now, is this your first Boston Marathon? It is. 
Okay. So you, you mentioned just now, like, you got through this cycle without any injuries. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the Boston Marathon is a big one for, for marathoners everywhere. It really is a focal point race, especially for the dedicated amateur running set. So for you, it, it really seemed like this training cycle, while there, there's always, like, highs and lows, it, it seems like it couldn't have gone any better. Yeah, I've been following you from afar, and we talk a lot, um, you know, through, like, you know, messages back and forth, but it really seemed like it went pretty well. It did. Um, I don't know if, like, you can, like, like hear me blushing, but, I mean, holy crap, it really, it really was a phenomenal training cycle. And if you follow me on Instagram, um, I, I can't stress enough how, like, it, it hasn't been all confined to just this cycle, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, Um but I mean, I'm just gonna like be completely honest here. It it never like failed to shock me what I was able to do this cycle. I mean, I my biggest like switch up was my tempo run. I I upped the pace um, to closer to like seven minute miles just to see what I could do because I could feel my myself kind of plateauing a little bit. And that was like the big, like, like the big light switch. Um, my, I was able to drop into like some sub seven miles on a tempo run. And that was just, it, it continually, like my times dropped down and like, it's a little emotional to talk about because you spend all this time, like trying to qualify for Boston. And then you realize that, holy crap, the times I'm running right now, like I'm going to, I'm probably going to get there again. Like right now, I've asked for a better training cycle, and in such crappy weather too is phenomenal to me. Yeah, and, and you mentioned just now that you you kind of upped your upped your speed for some of these tempos, and I saw at one place you said your favorite workout was a tempo run. I like almost choked on whatever mm-hmm. I was eating or drinking at that moment. <laughs> I was like, excuse me? Um, <laughs> like, I couldn't feel, I couldn't feel any more the opposite of whatever you had expressed in that post. But um, was that just a function of you being in better shape or was that just more of like more of a mental, a mental hurdle where you just like had to kind of raise your sights? It was a mental hurdle for sure. Um, the tempo has just always been my favorite because it all—it started at like goal marathon pace, um, the training plan I was following. And so then I kind of dropped it to like goal half marathon pace, which is funny because that's what it ended up being um, with this last half I ran. Um, but I could feel myself kind of, you know, not really having a clear mindset or goal with Boston. And so I looked to the tempo run to kind of guide me through that. And that's when I decided back in, I think it was like late January that I was running it at about like a tempo pace of 720. And I decided that, you know what, that's got to be like the bare minimum. Like you need to up this to like 710, 655-ish range just to have that 15 second um, buffer. And really test what you're capable of. Um, and it was, it was a mental struggle. There were, there were runs where, you know, it would hover around like seven Oh five and I was extremely happy. And then there was this one run during, um, peak week where it was an eight mile tempo and the majority of the tempo was sub seven. And 
that was insane to me. Like you, you spend all this time kind of stuck in a place and then you just, you see sixes, um, in front of your miles and it, it just like fills me with like so much like joy and surprise to be on that level. Now, did you see those splits as you were running or did you just, or did you see that once you could, once you had finished? Um, I see them as I'm running. Um, if it's a workout within Garmin, which my tempo runs usually aren't, um, I just go by the mile. Um, then, then I can't see them. So, um, I'm not sure if, if we'll get into it, but, um, I had a really great workout this week. Um, actually I had a mile time trial yesterday and I couldn't see the mile until my workout was done. So I didn't actually know if I had achieved my goal until the entire workout was complete. Um, so, you know, when I'm doing my tempos, like I know when I'm running and so I'm, I'm able to kind of gauge it and, uh, adjust my run from there. If, if for some reason my body isn't feeling it, which I have had some bad tempo runs, it happens. Like not every run has been fantastic for me and I've learned from it. Now, do you feel like, oh, first of all, let me just say it like this. You're, you're, <laughs> you're an early morning runner. All right, yes. so you get not just for like easy runs or you know maybe more low key long runs, but for basically all of your runs. You're a morning runner. Yes. Uh, you're a mom. You have a full time job. That's when you can fit it in. So, is there basically like kind of like a way of um, I guess taking those tempo runs and saying like, all right, if I can do this at five a.m., what time am I capable of doing at ten a.m. like fully rested and warmed up like you know what i mean like i feel like if i do a tempo run at 4 30 it's different than if i do a tempo run at 12 30 like do you have any of that or are you so finely tuned in the morning that there really isn't any conversion there really isn't any conversion um it's it's funny you bring that up because my body is very used to running early in the morning and as you know for boston i'm not going to start until close to 10 30 so my body's going to be awake for a really long time. And I mean, I'm, I'm honestly kind of intrigued and excited to see what I'm going to do with just, you know, that awake time because I'm not used to it. Um, so I don't think it'll, it'll hinder anything. And um, I'm just, I'm just excited to see what's going to happen. But yeah, I'm used to those early mornings. They're just, they're just kind of my jam. Um, it's just kind of me out in the, alone in the world. And I enjoy the peace and quiet, except for the skunks, because they're out there. And if you want to learn more about skunks, <laughs> listen to Funny Stories Part 1 of the Rambling Runner Podcast. Um, yes. So, all right. So when I do my morning tempos, uh, and we run basically around the same time in the mornings, I feel like mm -hmm. the first mile of the tempo portion of my workout, not just like my warm-up or whatever, is always it always feels harder than like mm -hmm. mile two or three. Which the difference for me is if I'm running in the afternoon, it's kind of the opposite. Like the first mile is like, all right, slow down, relax. You know, you're going too fast. But like, I'll never go too fast first mile in a tempo workout in the morning. Like, how, how does that work out for you? So I'm actually the same way. Um, so the way my tempo workouts usually run is I'll do a couple warm-up miles. And they're still, like, I think faster than a lot of people would consider a warm-up. Um, and then when I get to my first tempo mile... I still, I'm still kind of like limbering up and it's for like the, the brain portion of it. I try to give myself a little bit of grace and say like, if, you know, we're trying to hit like a sub seven uh, minute pace for all these tempo miles, 
maybe the first mile is like a 702, 703. You're not like, you're not going to kill yourself over this. Like it, if it doesn't happen, it's okay. Um, I'm, I'm not going to like punch myself over a few seconds right now. It's, it's just not worth it to me. And then I can drop into a, a pace that is a little more challenging for a tempo. Not to say that like a 702 still isn't like, you know, a huge like celebration for me. Cause I still consider it extremely fast, but um, yeah, the first tempo is always like, all right, let's, let's figure this out. Let's figure out how you feel. And then you just mentioned it before you did that, that kind of mild time trial, which I had never seen yes. someone do in a taper week. So I was very intrigued yeah. by that. Yeah. So I guess, I guess before we talk about that specifically, cause I think that's, it's unique. When you're going through your training plan, you've mentioned how you made decisions based on you know, previous years or previous training cycles and things, how you can improve. Are these decisions that you're making or is there, do you have a coach or do you have anyone you lean on for this sort of stuff? Um, I am mostly self-coached. Um, I have a couple of friends who give me advice here and there. Um, one friend in particular gave me the mile uh, time trial workout um, that we'll get into so it's mostly just me. Um, the reason I, I made my goal for Boston was just I, I wanted a big, scary goal that was um, still realistic to achieve. Um, and we're going to you know, find out in five days if I'll do it. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, so tell me about this mile, this mile uh, workout. Okay. So – I have a really good friend who um, is a coach, and then he's um, an elite runner as well. And um, are we going to give him a shout out here, or is he going to stay, stay um, anonymous? Oh, I mean, I don't know about anonymous. Um, he his name is Jesse. He lives um, in Indianapolis. Um, he gave me this workout that you run a mile, t- like you know, you have your warm up, and then you run a mile time trial. And for me, if you know me, uh, not, I wouldn't say personally, but just, you know, my goals kind of like floating out there on Instagram, I really wanted to break a six minute mile for quite some time, but I've just never had the opportunity to do it. It hasn't been a part of my plan and I'm very structured. Um, I follow my plan to, to a T and I don't deviate from it. So sure I can go out and try for the hell of it, but there just wasn't, you know, the, the opportunity to, um, so after you do your mile time trial, you know, you kind of recover for a little bit and then you run a mile at your goal marathon pace to show your body kind of like how easy it feels. So I had built this workout in with all of the timing into my watch so that I could follow, you know, my warm ups, um, do a few strides and then launch into the mile time trial, have a little bit of recovery time after, and then do the marathon paced mile. So I didn't know what my mile time trial was until I finished the workout. And I started out at like a 545 pace. And I was like, all right, I'm feeling pretty good-ish, heavy on the ish. (laughs) Um, I'm still kind of dealing from um, the residual effects of being sick a few weeks ago. Um, It really, it's it's amazing how much it has lingered, actually. I'm I'm like, okay, thanks, body. Like, whatever, let's just do this. So once I, once I like got to about a half a mile, my lungs were like, oh, F you, like, we're not doing this. And my legs were like, listen, we've got to get her this sub six mile. Can we just like compromise? 
and it was just this internal battle like back and forth and I'm like this is a hot mess but I hung on to like a six minute pace for as long as I could and I thought to myself during I'm like I really don't know what this is going to be it feels like probably closer to averaging out to like a 601 or 602 I knew it was going to be really really close so whatever finished that mile did a little bit of recovery launched into the marathon pace mile and I have to tell you for somebody who stuck in the eight minute range for an extremely long time I have never felt like I was running so slow in my life and I was like trying to slow down to hit a 739 pace for my my goal marathon time and I ended up running the whole thing in a 720 feeling like I was like trudging through mud and for that, the workout was a complete success because after you run so fast for that mile, anything else is going to be like cake. Um, so once then I got through a couple more like cool down miles and that's when my workout ended. And then that's when my Garmin flashed new record and I saw 5.58 and I mean, I do these things alone um, the majority of the time, and it was just like this moment of uh, pure, like, euphoria on the track, like, just complete shock. I, I kind of almost cried because you you just, you run in, like, these certain paces for so long, and then even to see a five like, who cares if it's a 5.58? Who cares if it's just two seconds? That's my five. And I am so proud of that five. And it's just a huge moment for me. And I I definitely needed that, like, riding into Boston. So did you do, like, a little celebratory dance, jig? Oh, yeah. You know, anything <laughs> going on over there at the track? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm, like, just the most, like, awkward, ridiculous person. So... Um, I know we'll get into the, the questions at the end, but yeah, I listen to music when I run. And so I think I was like, probably listening to like Kesha or something. And I was like, hell yeah, let's, let's get down. This is awesome. Such a cool moment. Um, just to like kind of celebrate on your own. I love how you, how you described your inner monologue after the, <laughs> after the first 800 of the goal mile, it actually reminded me of like one of the posts that Karen Howe would put up. Alaska to oh, New York her. runner because she has like these like funny little like inner monologue posts uh, attached to her like Garmin times and she'll put on uh, yes. put on Instagram and they're all very witty and like very like kind of like self-mocking slash self-congratulatory like in alternating fashion. <laughs> um, so, yes. so is that actually how you're thinking about things while you're running or is that kind of after the fact you kind of synthesize what happened while you were doing um, it? It's actually like how it's funny you mentioned that because Karen's like line of thinking in her in her captions is kind of how I, I run. I'm just I did that actually during the, the half I just ran. I got a PR in um, a few weeks ago. Uh, I started out really fast and it was just this moment of like, oh, we're doing this. OK, like, <laughs> I guess you've committed at this point. And it just makes me laugh like. I think like that's always kind of a strange goal for any run is if I can find a way to laugh, like it was a good run. That's interesting. I've, I've, as you know, I've talked to quite a few people about running. I've never heard anyone say that before. I've heard people like Bam Garcia and I've even read this, like that if you smile during a run, mm -hmm. even if you're just like, if it's fake, like you're literally just like 
deciding I'm going to smile right now for no good reason that actually has positive benefits. Yes. You know, not just mentally, but, you know, but it's all connected. So it actually has physical benefits. So you actually just like to have like laughing moments while you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do the smiling thing too a lot. And I think that, um, it's just evolved into, to laughter over time. Um, I, I definitely have, you know, bad runs every once in a while. And I remind myself like, okay, smile, like to soak in like that physical effect from it. But I think that just, I have a really ridiculous personality and I think it just evolved into like, what can we find humorous about this run? And it's helped. I mean, there've been like some really like monstrously bad races. And if you can find a way to laugh during, it just helps you cope with it. Even if it's not going to work out to the time that you wanted it to, like if you can find a way to laugh, it's all good. And one thing is you, one of the things you mentioned uh, several times in just just the past four four or five weeks alone is that someone will say something to you similar to what I said earlier in this conversation. They'll be like, "Hey, man, your training is going really, really well." And it seems like you almost have like a stock answer in those cases. Besides, mm-hmm. like the "Oh, thank you, that's nice of you to say," you'll you'll immediately dive into like, "Hey, it, it's not just about this cycle. Like I've been building towards this for a while. It's not the result of just a good two months. It's a result." over an, a sustained period of time. So for you, when did, I guess, when, when do you track that back to? Like, when does that timeline start for you in terms of, you know, this, you know, from this point forward, you know, that's when the sustained build started and that's what you're currently working through. So I ran my first postpartum marathon in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in October 2016. And I had some pretty pitiful, very unfocused training for it. And I did what I could. Um, I wouldn't go back and change anything. But the marathon itself, I got a sinus infection right before. So it was destined to just be a disaster. And it felt like just death. Wait, wait, Um, wait, breathing is (laughs) breathing's important in a marathon? You know, it is, strangely enough, um, a big shocker to me, too. Um, but, yeah, it was – it was it's my slowest marathon to date, and it was – it felt horrible. But it was also a result of just not training properly. And um, I had, like, really, like, really lofty dreams of somehow magically BQing anyway without putting in the work. And I realized, like, yeah, that's not going to happen. So – that December um, 2016, I I pulled the Boston Athletic Association plan from their site. Um, my uncle kind of nonchalantly forwarded it to me and was like, hey, I want you to qualify so we can run together. Why don't you follow their plan? And so I did. And that's when I really started building into speed work and tempo runs and really learning what recovery runs are supposed to feel like. And um, kind of alternating hard weeks and easy weeks. And in the meantime, I started, you know, really researching what proper nutrition was going to look like and what I wanted to do for cross training and strength training. And just it all has built together over the last year and a half. Um, so I know that we'll we'll get into some of the, the races that led up to that um, or had led up to Boston. Um, but it's, it's been a, a year and a half of, I used to run 800s at like a seven minute pace and be like, yes, this is so fast. 
And then recently I did like, you know, sub six minute pace. And it's like, you know, it, it took a lot of time to get into that. And I think that the biggest um, part of that success is that I didn't push myself into paces that I knew weren't realistic for me at the time. Um, I didn't, I didn't push myself into high mileage weeks that my body couldn't handle. Um, my, my recovery weeks used to be like 38 mile weeks and now they're 50. Um, there's a huge difference there and it didn't happen overnight. And so, yeah, I kind of have that stock answer because I never want anybody who just discovers my Instagram account to be like, Oh, she's running seven minute tempo runs. Like, I can do that like right now and and launch in and hurt themselves because that's not what you want. You want to run and enjoy it and you want to run and work for it. And I think that there's a lot of people out there who are just naturally gifted. And I was kind of like borderline for a long time. And then now I'm on um, a level of it's like, holy crap, I'm running Boston in five days. (laughs) So now how come you didn't, how come you didn't do that? How come you, how come you weren't, one of those people that you just mentioned who like all of a sudden is going out and doing paces that maybe they shouldn't do. It seemed like you were playing the long game with your training, which, you know, I'll speak for myself Mm -hmm. is um, not something that comes naturally to me. And I'll say it for other people. It doesn't come naturally to a lot of people, especially people who, you know, have you know, been athletic their whole life or maybe, you know, were serious athletes in certain sports and then took up running later or, or th- things like that. So basically people who have, like, some sort of athletic background who then get into distance running, I feel like you hear the same story all the time. Is it like, hey, I thought I could do X, Y, Z. It was probably too fast. In retrospect, I was running too fast and not enough miles. Now I know, like, to go slower and run more miles. It seems like you kind of had grasped that earlier than other people. I think I had, um, I dealt with a little bit of shin pain, um, in training for the Lincoln marathon uh, last year. And I think it, it really gravitated from doing a little too much too soon as far as just mileage in general, I wouldn't even say pace. And so I was, I considered myself really lucky to avoid any major injury during that time. And it, it kind of just, you know, like, gave me a gut feeling of just because, and I'm going to go, I'm kind of going to go back on my, my mantra, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I knew in my gut that it had to be a slow build, that I had really big goals that were ready to be achieved. But there's just a level of like, even when you're training for the, for the marathon you need to kind of act like you're running the marathon and the marathon has its own plans for everybody. And you have to remain humble and you have to respect it. And I've tried to keep that mindset throughout all of training, because if you can keep that throughout training, then I'm not going to say you're going to go out and conquer the marathon. Cause I don't think any of us really ever do, but you can at least try to do your absolute best and have the best mindset going into it because it's all mind games. And you had a very interesting quote um, that I want to ask you about. And you talked about how the Lincoln Marathon went for you. And that's Lincoln, Nebraska, right? Yes. Yes. Um, So that was May 7th of last year, 2007, a uh, a little under a year ago. You said that you were, quote, overprepared 
and yet mm-hmm. underconfident. So what does that mean? Overprepared and underconfident. I feel like my <laughs> life is the opposite of that, of underprepared and overconfident. So I'm interested to hear more about this. Yeah. Um, well, I would say that, like, I did everything by the book, um, by my training plan. And this is when I was running uh, probably lower mileage weeks. And I don't remember missing, like, a single workout. Like, I was so dedicated and so structured and I did everything to a T and yet I was not there mentally. Like, don't get me wrong. The weather ended up being horrendous. It was 80 degrees and I had trained through a Michigan winter that was actually really mild last year. It's not like this year, my God. Um, but it, uh, <laughs> it just, I wasn't prepared and I just, I couldn't really, there wasn't really like a mind body connection. Like I feel like I have achieved now where the level that I was at physically matched up with where I was at mentally. And so because of the huge disconnect, I just was not able to pull it off. I think if I had been, you know, a little more mentally sound at the time going into the marathon, um, I would have maybe ran a little bit faster. I don't think there was anything I could do with that heat. I just wasn't ready. But yeah, I just, it, it taught me a lot. It, it taught me that I needed to kind of like reset myself mentally going into it. And, um, and I, I ended up doing that in the next uh, race that I, I did for the Youngstown marathon, which was in June uh, that, that following June where it wasn't a BQ course it was the first year. So I was able to just kind of like let loose and run like the first half. I, I ran kind of the pace that I really wanted to. And then I slowed down on the last half because there were crazy hills. And I remember like I was still running like pretty, pretty like I wouldn't say slow, but slower than I wanted to because I was exhausted from the hills. But I remember this like overwhelming feeling of like, I haven't bonked yet. And I'm at like 23 miles. I don't know what this feels like. This is awesome. And it was kind of that like moment of where it all clicks. Like I wasn't running like any type of, um, you know, Boston time, but it was still like, that's when the mind body connection really started to happen for me was during a race that was like a three, I think I ran like a three thirty nine, Um, and it just, it just kind of happened. And then after that is when I, I did my, my BQ race. So do you feel like you gained confidence in the training leading up to that Youngstown Marathon? Or do you think that the result that you had there then gave you the confidence? Like what was the, what was the, the kind of the instigator for that, that boost in confidence? I think it was just the ability to like, let go. Um, because it wasn't a certified course, I didn't have to worry about even attempting a Boston qualifying time, even though I probably could have tried. There wasn't a point to it. It was, it was just a moment of like, I can just kind of cut loose and do whatever I want. And that was really freeing for me. Um, and I think that that was able to help me get to the, the next level that I needed to. And I, um, I went a little marathon crazy last year and, you know, at like two and a half weeks after I ran the Youngstown marathon is when I ran Charlevoix and ended up uh, Boston qualifying. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, it was so ridiculous. (laughs) I want to take a short break from my conversation with Laura 
to just remind you how great Mercury Mile is, not only because they're sponsoring the podcast week after week, episode after episode, but because this service provides people with wonderful gear curated for them in in a quick fashion. The boxes come out super fast. And if you don't like it, you get to send it back. But I'll tell you, the stylists over at Mercury Mile know what they're doing. Um, They sent me a bunch of cold weather gear that has just been perfect and not like the cold weather gear I already have. And when I invest in running gear, frankly, I really don't care too much about my summer gear. It's just kind of like a t-shirt and shorts. Uh, That really isn't that big of a deal. I might want to get some really good shorts for the long runs, but for the most part, shorts are shorts. Not that big of a deal. But cold weather gear is much more important because you just don't want to freeze your butt off while you're out there. And I'm living in New England. So freezing my butt off is something like a, a common theme, but not so much with my Mercury Mile gear. Thank you so much for sending it out. I really appreciate it. And I'll say this. I said this last time. It is surprisingly inexpensive. Sometimes with these box services, you can get hit with a pretty big fee. I mean, you know it's coming. You're not surprised, but that just isn't the case with Mercury Mile. I mean, even my New Balance um, pullover jacket that I got, that I wore today, it was like 25 degrees this morning with a little bit of wind here in Rhode Island. It's a really nice jacket. It kept me super warm. And, like, it costs, like, 60 bucks. And, like, you know, you can get that jacket for like 50% more than that if you just go to a normal store. Um, and it was just a really high-quality piece of, uh, you know, piece of running gear. And I was surprised at how little it was. So anyway, if you want to if you want to check it out, and I advise you to do so, go to mercurymile.com, use promo code RamblingRunner10, save 10 bucks, help the show, and help yourself because you'll have some great gear. Anyway, that's it for me. We'll go back to my conversation with Laura Pierce. Now, what, did you have that? Did you have that as a plan the whole time, or like, what was the decision-making process? There? Oh God, not at all. So, I have a, a good friend. Uh, uh, he's on Instagram named Jeff, and oh, he's a good guy. That's he, J. That's J E P H. Yeah, yeah uh, Jeff okay. with a P H. Yeah. Um, he reached out to me like a couple weeks before, and he's like, "Hey, I'm thinking about running the Charlevoix Marathon," and I got really overexcited, and I was like oh my gosh, I'll come with you and I'm going to like pace you through the last 10 K. We're going to get you your BQ. Cause he had just run Ottawa and he ended up uh, falling short of his Boston qualifying time as well, because I had an, and Lincoln's, so we were kind of like, you know, misery loves company. And he was like, you know, Laura, like, I, I don't know if you can really pace me through the last like 10 K. Oh, like, she, she oh hey now. I could now, but to be completely honest, at that point last year, I definitely could not have. Because he would have been at like a 6.55 pace, and I probably couldn't have held that up. But anyway, so then a few days later, he was like, why don't you just do it and try to Boston qualify? And I'm like, you're absolutely out of your mind. Like, it just ran the Lincoln Marathon early May, the Youngstown Marathon in early June, and you're asking me to, like, turn around and do another marathon? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's do this. Um, so I ended up going to Charlevoix. And the weather, Matt, oh, my gosh. It was perfect. You don't get weather like that, like, often or even ever as a runner in a race. And so – this kind of like feeling took over me where you've got to do something special with this. 
And so, you know, when, wait, so when I wanted that, to when run. When did that oh. feeling happen? Like, did that happen during um, the race or was that pre-race? It was pre-race. Um, okay. So I don't know if you've ever been to Charlevoix, Michigan. Um, it's absolutely beautiful in northern Michigan along uh, Lake Michigan. And watching, like, the sunrise come up over um, part of the lake and just being in, like, the race atmosphere, I realized that I was, like, just like at the right temperature and that it was going to just be a good day. And you just, I think a lot of my running, I've, I've followed my gut and I had a gut feeling that it was just going to be good. Uh, I was still a little scared because that's just my natural personality as well to, to have some fear. But I, I told myself like, okay, we're going to ease into it. We'll run a few like kind of like warm up miles and then see how I feel and I still at that time wanted a 3.30 to have that five-minute buffer for a BQ. And I wanted to go out at, like, maybe an 8.20 pace. And my first mile was an eight-minute pace. And once again, it was like, okay, we're doing this. Sure. Um, and I, I stuck with that. And then it, to, to this day, probably remains one of my most consistent um, – actually, it is my most consistent marathon pacing. I think I didn't go below, like, a maybe, like, a 7.35 um, and I stayed in like a, a 7.44 range, 7.45 for a while. And I just, I just, it was one of those surreal moments where I felt like I could run forever. I didn't hit the wall. Um, it, there was this really great moment at mile 24 and I was running alongside a couple of guys and they kind of looked at me and I looked back at them and I, I looked at my watch and I said to them, I'm going to Boston qualify today because I knew at 24 I could run like 10 minute miles if I wanted to, and I was still going to do it. And I've never been at that moment in a race before. And I think that, you know, it, it's such a, a huge goal for anybody to achieve, but there's really something to be said for the first time that you, you actually Boston qualify because crossing that finish line. And at that time I wasn't quite, it, the time I was about to actually finish at hadn't quite registered with me. Um, I knew that I was going to be sub 3.30. But then when I crossed, it was 3.26.37, and it was just like, holy crap, what did I just do? Like, that that to me was just astounding because you, you spend so much time just trying to get a 3.30 and then to beat that by um, – I don't know math right now, three and a half minutes. Yeah. That's not right. Sounds yeah. Right. Math has always just not been my strong suit. Um, it, it was just mind blowing to me. Uh, so it was just one of those like perfect running days. Now, did that change your goals at all? Not just from a race time perspective, but like what you're capable of doing in training, either from a uh, mileage or pace perspective? Um, a little bit, but, Honestly, not much. Uh, the next big race was going to be Marine Corps, and I knew that was going to be hard. Um, and, that's, and that's October 22nd? So you have a yeah. couple months before. couple months before. So I said that I had a crazy year last year. Um, you know, I ran Lincoln, and then I ran Youngstown as, like, part of, like, an ambassador program for the race. And then, you know, surprise, did Charlevoix, BQ'd. But before I did Charlevoix, I actually had signed up for the – as like a last chance BQ. So I'd already committed to that. And I had planned on, you know, training through the summer and trying to get one last chance to get to Boston in 2018. Well, I was still signed up for it. So I decided to use that as a training run for Marine Corps. 
It's just ridiculous. I know. So I did, I know, I did five marathons last year. Um, I don't know if I'll do that again. I mean, I'm sure I will at some point, probably not this year. Um, But no, that went, that went pretty well. I I felt pretty good, but I decided not to push it because it was strictly a training run. And then, yeah, Marine Corps was in, uh, was in October and it start the morning started out really great weather wise. And then it got hot really fast. And if you're familiar with the Marine Corps race, the um, 14th Street Bridge is just where you go to die. And you're just out there and it's like running in the apocalypse where you're running on like an overpass and you're in direct sunlight. There's no crowd support and you're alone with your deep, dark thoughts. And I mean, it was just that's where that's where it all the race kind of like turned for me. And it was just a matter of hanging on. Yeah, you wrote about that race, that you had a ton of stress going into it. You had, like, jobs that mm-hmm. people recently got promoted, and then just all the stresses that come along with that, and that you felt that you you, you had felt inadequate going into yes. or, or during the race, and um, that, you know, kind of training not only served the purpose of, hey, you know, I love running, I love doing this. Anyone who runs five marathons in a year obviously has a certain passion for the sport, <laughs> but that you trained also as a form of therapy, um, and then just kind of put a bow on this, on this, uh, on this topic. You said that that day that you left, you left that day, a better runner by fighting through your demons in that race. So what was so yes. different about that time period, as opposed to say like the, the early summer, or late spring? I think that it was a culmination of like different things that were going on in my life. Um, besides running and, I've been I've been pretty open. I think it took some time for me to be pretty open about um, having like anxiety and uh, postpartum depression, um, and and those those still are, are battles that I deal with. Um, I had you know you mentioned the promotion. Um, my job is amazing, but also I, I have per, not perfectionist uh, tendencies, but I have really you know high goals for myself and you know, it's been a a bit of a learning curve adjusting to it. Um, and then, you know, just with any type of family life, like you, you know, you just, sometimes things aren't perfect as well. And it, it was really one of those times in my life where it, it was just a matter of like, you know, it's a kind of a strange way to describe it. Um, how I did where you're out on that bridge and it, it really was like every deep, dark thought kind of popped into my head and all of the anxiety kind of cropped up and there's there's these moments of like you can't do this and then you had to I had to fight through it and say that yes I can I it may not be at the level that I want to anymore it may not be at the pace I want to anymore but I'm gonna finish and I'm, I'm gonna be a better person when I'm done with this because I'm going to finish and when you say that you, you have to fight back and you say yes you can is there more to that, that inner monologue? I know that when I've had stressful marathon experiences, you feel like you have like, it's like you can like fit a novel of like internal monologue into like every minute of like actual time. Like it's like, I feel like my mind is racing that quickly. Um, like both like the, the positives and the negatives, like mm-hmm. combating each other in my own head. Like for you, what were some of the things that you were saying slash doing to try to pull yourself out of that rut? For me, I try to em- embrace a lot of fear that I have. Um, it's kind of an over overwhelming feeling for me in a lot of different areas in my life. Um, and I can kind of pinpoint everything back to fear. And so um, 
uh, I had a friend give me, a, I think it was a Bible quote uh, before that there's no fear in love. And um, I, that, I wrote, I wrote that, I wrote that on my arm actually before Marine Corps and, and I would look down on it um, every now and then, but just reminding myself that yes, you're scared. Yes, you're hot. Yes, you're dehydrated. Yes, you're stressed out, but you love this and you love running and you love the marathon. And that kind of just repeated over and over in, in my head, especially the last uh, 10K. So more of a mantra than anything else. Yes. Got it. Speaking of mantras, you have your own little mantra. You mentioned it earlier. Um, actually, one of your friends, I guess, sounds like she like put it on a bracelet for you, which was pretty cool. You kind of yeah. posed with it. <laughs> um, and like you mentioned it earlier in this conversation, it's kind of because I can mantra. And for you, what? why is that? You know, why, why that phrase? Like why, what about those words is, is impactful for you? Um, so for me, it's from a, a physical standpoint because I, I can, because I can run, because I can move, because I can breathe and because I can simply do this. And really that, that kind of started for me. Um, well, the backstory is, is simply this, um, my my mother was diagnosed with ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, if you're familiar with it, um, it slowly uh, paralyzes you, and then ultimately um, you you end up dying um, because you know your body just can't support itself anymore. Um, that was in 2006, and she passed away in the summer of 2007. And during that time, um, my siblings and I found out that it's potentially hereditary. And, um, after my mother passed away, I spent a lot of time in, in college, um, partying and self-medicating. And I wish that I could say, like, I kind of cleaned up my act, um, after she passed away, but I, I just simply didn't. I still was kind of battling some pretty, you know, dark demons at that time. Um, so after college is when I, I really started to run and it, just lifted so much of like a weight off of my shoulders. Um, and I mean, my, my paces were definitely not what they are now. I was not like, you know, a, a, that gifted of a runner at the beginning, but it just, something kind of clicked for me and it, and it felt right. And I developed that mantra over time because, you know, if, if, you know, the worst were to happen, if, if I were to get ALS, like, I want to know that, that I've pushed my body to the full capable or the full physical capabilities that it can go to. And when you talk about uh, what running did for you after that period of, you know, kind of self-medicating and you, you kind of were in a, just in a zone that in retrospect, you, you know, you, you wanted to make sure you got out of mm -hmm. what about running in particular? Was it about just being more physically active or was it being able to like have that kind of internal cathartic, you know, time for yourself where you're just able to kind of zone out and have a little introspection. What about running in particular allowed you to have, to kind of have that breakthrough or I don't know the exact phrase I would use. I mean, a breakthrough isn't right, but I guess just, I think you'd understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah. What, what, what got, what about running got you to that point? Um, both kind of mind and body wise. Um, I think it's like, it's a connection of both, right? Like for, for me, I'm, I'm naturally a really introverted person and I, I excuse me. I know nobody ever, <laughs> nobody ever believes me when I say that. Um, but I truly am. Uh, and what, what that means is that I just need kind of time on my own to recharge. 
and I don't necessarily draw my energy from, from people. Oh, but, I understand what you're saying. Okay. I'm yeah. the same way. All right. All right I yeah. understand exactly what so, you're saying. But to be fair, because I'm so social and when you meet me, it's like maybe a little shy at first, but really I'm not like, I'm just going to be ridiculous. Um, people just don't believe me. They're like, you are not an introvert, but I, I truly am. And so running for me, like allows me to kind of just, you know, draw energy from, from that time alone. And it, I think in a way, like that's also been part of like why I've, I've sped up so much is like, I am like feeding off of myself essentially and my own thoughts. And when they're positive and when, you know, like I said earlier, there's laughter, like it gets, it just gets me going and I'm able to achieve, you know, what, what running means to me, which is just pure happiness. But when you have time alone and you're going through a dark period, it can be a scary thing. I mean, your, your mind can go all over the place. Um, You know, I remember I had this, I had this very influential college professor who, you know, like, and he was influential, not because of anything academically, even though he was a very good teacher uh, and an excellent writer. Um, shout out to him. His name is Kiese Lehman. Um, he's written a couple of bestsellers. He was just absolutely phenomenal. But one thing he had mentioned to me was we had a friend who was going, I had a friend of mine who he also knew who was going through some personal, personal stuff. And he had mentioned, he goes, if you ever notice, he is never alone. He's never mm-hmm. alone. He's always with somebody or a group of people. Or if he is alone, he always has his headphones in. He's never just by himself with himself. And it's because he's afraid to be in that, that space. And he said that not as now said, he was also very close to him. So they had had those kind of conversations. And I can complete at the time, I understood what he was saying, like, academically speaking, I couldn't relate to it. But as I've gone through my own periods, it's so true. Cause, like, you don't want to you know, you don't want to go through those times. Like you want to be like, no, 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 no. I'm putting on music right now to escape. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in my own head. But even though ultimately that really is the path to getting out of it. It It is. And I, I still have runs where, you know, dark thoughts come up, even just like in the last like couple of months, especially um, there's just added stress and, you know, the, the life outside of running. And I just, uh, I just try to like kind of funnel it towards speed and, fueling it and trying to twist my anxiety into taking it to a, a place where it doesn't affect my running. Mm-hmm. Right. And how often do you harken back to the idea of like, because I can, and like, you know, think back to like, all right, I do, I'm doing this because my body is able. And you kind of think back to like, you know, whether it's your mom or the idea of like, Hey, maybe that could happen to me or, how often does that even come up for you or is, or is that more of like something you reflect on, um, you know, when you're, when you have like a kind of an introspective moment? Um, I'm, what I'm about to say is probably going to be really dark, but I don't want it to come off like that. So I'm going to preface it a bit there. I mean, if you lose a parent, like there isn't a day that goes by that you don't think about them. And so for me, like it's, it's daily. Um, and I have that reminder um, both to just, you know, embrace life and, and, you know, live it while you can, but also to use that in my running. And so if there's ever a day where, you know, that 430 alarm goes off and it's like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. You, you, not that I'm like thinking of her like straight off in the morning, but there's always that, that mindset of you're, you know, you can do this because you can, because you know, you're going to regret it if you don't. 
And it's really pushed me through the the last year and a half when, you know, my, my training has really upped and, and Boston became a reality. And one thing that I've noticed of you in particular, and, and this is not to say that other people don't do this, but I feel like you have really gone out of your way. And I think from a, it seems like from a sense of just happiness and, and the pleasure you get out of it, of kind of cultivating a kind of like a running community, you know, a social community with people around running that it seems like it's very genuine and, and surprisingly like involved and intimate for people that you may have never met in real life. I guess, in, I guess you'd say in, real life, in person, you've never met in person mm-hmm. and you've developed all of these community, all these like this basically this community of running uh, friends. And it's not something that's superficial. It seems very tangible. And it seems like for you, is that, was that the goal at some point or how did that manifest itself? I don't even know. Like it just, it just happened. Right. Like I can't really explain it. Um, a lot of, a lot of what I, I try to do in order to not compare myself to other runners is to cheer them on. So when I'm able to externalize, you know, that, that thought of like, Hey, great run and just leave a comment. And let people know that, you know, I have their back and I'm cheering for them. I think it's all cyclical because they'll in turn, you know, cheer you on um, when you know, you're having a good run or even like a bad day. And I, I can't really say enough for how much the, the Instagram running community means to me. Um, it really just, it, it has helped me come out of my shell because, I mean, I was, I'm still, like I said, like a social person, but. I would say that I've had a lot of growth socially from just being able to kind of leave, you know, silly comments on like my friends uh, posts or, or cheer them on. Um, and I just am really grateful for having all of these connections. And yeah, there's just speaking realistically, there's probably going to be people that I never actually meet in, in person, but there have been people that I now consider my best friends. And that's crazy to me that I've met best friends through Instagram. Now, has that community had an effect on your running? I wouldn't say. Um, I mean, of course, there's going to be like a, a level of confidence that comes from, you know, people cheering you on. But I've always kind of, you know, kept in my back pocket and kind of just in the back of my mind is, you know, Asking myself realistically, would you still be happy running if you weren't posting it on Instagram? And the answer is always yes. And so for that, I'm able to have not like a disconnect, but I don't rely on Instagram to propel my running and and vice versa. Like it just running will always be there. There may be a day where that's my last post ever on Instagram, but I can assure you I'm still going to be out there running. Right. And I know because some people, they need that social element, no matter whether mm-hmm. that's through social media or they're, you know, say they're like on a team, whether it's a cross country team, if they're younger and they they still have like team sports through their school or just like a local running group, like that social component for some people is so elemental to their athletic experience. Like they can't imagine just doing it as a solo venture. And right. I think that, like, especially for some people, they, that the accountability um, behind that social that social element is there, especially if things aren't going great, right? Or like, hey, you're not feeling it. It's like, oh well, if I if I don't do this, I'm not going to be the only one that knows it. Right. Um, 
I, I just, I, I try to have that, that connect, that disconnect of I'm just running for me and it's fun to post it. Um, and you know, you know, have conversations about it, but my running journey began long before, um, posting it on social media and it'll likely continue long after. There you go. All right. So, Hey, you got five days, five, six days before the Boston marathon. Five. We've, got, we've, kind of beat, we've kind of beat around the bush a little bit. What are, is, what do the next couple of days look like for you and what's the goal for the race? Okay. So heading out to Boston on Friday, um, getting in Friday, uh, late afternoon and then probably just chilling. And then I plan on, um, not giving a full rundown of my schedule on this podcast. Cause I think that would be ridiculous. <laughs> I almost did cause the people have been asking me, but, um, you know, I'm going to just enjoy Saturday and go to the 5k and, um, go to the expo. And then I have like one, I have a, a shakeout run on Sunday and then I'm doing a, just like a, a normal run here in Michigan on Friday. Um, so I really only have two runs left before the, the marathon. Um, but yeah, it's just a matter of, um, doing what I, what I do best, which is eating a lot of carbs. And I am so excited. <laughs> I am going to hit up Chipotle and I'm going to just chow down and I am freaking excited. Um, my goal, my goal still stands at 320, um, which is a 739 pace. And I have a race strategy um, that I think is, is pretty good. I've had some help with it um, from, you know, one of my, my, my coach friends. And I think that it's, it's important. Um, I've read, you know, numerous articles, but what I've, what an overwhelming, you know, theme is that if you start out conservative, you're able to run later on and not have to walk. Um, so I've, I've had a lot of people who, you know, have noticed my training throughout the cycle and have, you know, straight up told me 320 is too conservative. Um, that's cool. Like, but 320 is still my goal because it's a six minute PR for me. And that's a six minute PR at Boston. Like that's a big freaking deal. And I will take it. Like I am excited. And if I can run faster than that, like, hell yes, like I'm going to, but it's still going to be within my strategy because I never want to look back on my first Boston and get, have my ego get in the way. That's not going to happen. This means too much to me to, to not like, I'm going to try my best, but I'm going to enjoy it because it's Boston and I've been working for this for too long. There you go. <laughs> Sounds great. I'm looking forward to seeing it. That's for sure. Thank right. you. Before we get going, uh, we'll have the last few questions that I do on almost all of the podcasts, and you've already hinted at one of them. If yes. you're running, you go in <laughs> headphones or no headphones. I do headphones. Um, I can, I can run without music. It doesn't really bother me. Um, but I'm just I'm one of those people that's actually really connected to music, and so I I'm I'm just like you know like kind of drawing a little bit of energy from it, but also. I can just kind of think back to like, oh, a run that I had when I hear a song. It's, it's, it's a really odd way to describe it. But that was my roundabout way of saying, yes, headphones. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Because yeah. I'll have, I listen to, to podcasts and audiobooks, And if I, I, I have plenty of deja vu, deja vu moments where like I'll hit a certain part of a run. And mm -hmm. I run the same loops all the time. I don't know how these deja vu moments manifest themselves. But I'll be like, oh. I remember being at this exact moment and listening to X, Y, Z at that time. Yes. And like, I have that with music. Okay. So what are you listening to? Um, 
I listen to like, I mean, it's really embarrassing stuff. Like, I mean, it's not really even that embarrassing. I mean, I like dance pop type stuff, um, like Britney Spears and Kesha. I mean, it's really ridiculous. But if I could like dance to it and there's like a really good beat, um, it doesn't really matter what the genre is. Like, I'm going to listen to it. But I like some really high energy stuff. Kanye makes his way in there. Like, I like that kind of ego and swagger that you you kind of get while running while listening to, to Kanye or like Kendrick Lamar. So, um, you know, I, it's a it's a broad range. And anyone who follows your IG stories already knows your Britney, your Britney obsession. I don't know. Yeah, I feel yeah like obsession if, is fair. If you're, if you're, you know, last one at work, it seems like two things are inevitable. You'll be <laughs> drinking coffee and debating whether or not to like disconnect the headphones and just put on the speakers in your office. Yeah, with I the, haven't the music been able on. to recently. Like, it's been, um, I haven't been the last one at work for a while. But yeah, I'll blast some Britney and, and throw it on my IG story, because why not? Everybody deserves to listen to her. It's, she's such a gift to humanity. I mean, you just yeah. said a lot there. I don't know if I can, <laughs> if I can agree, but that's a, it's a lot. Anyway, um, all right, so moving on. Best advice you've <laughs> given to other people about running that you have trouble following? Oh gosh, that's okay. Um, rest when you are sick or injured. Um, I would say that this is the first cycle I've actually like started to listen to it. Although there have been moments where I didn't want to, um, but I can't stress that enough that you just, you have to let your body rest. You have to take unplanned rest days. Um, you have to cut back. Um, it's just extremely important to let your body recover, um, especially as you're, you're hitting high mileage or, um, you know, faster paces. Okay. And who motivates you as a runner? My son, Lincoln. Um, he just, I want to, I want to show a good example for him. And he was like one of the, the driving forces of why I really wanted to qualify for Boston and take him out there. And, um, I just, I want him to remember that about me. Um, you know, if anything were to ever happen, like I want him to have those, those photos and memories of, of his mama as a runner. Wow. <laughs> that, that, no, that, that's very nice. I, I hadn't heard so, someone say that before. That's, uh, no, it's very touchy. I, I, can, I oh. can see why you would say that. Um, yeah. all right. If you could run one more race the rest of your life, but you could run it every year, what race would it be? Um, well, I mean, I, I can't say Boston yet cause I haven't run it. So I have to be fair. Um, for me, my favorite race, um, is still Marine Corps. Uh, even though that, that bridge is terrible. Um, there's just so much camaraderie and having the, the Marine Corps out there supporting you and going through the blue mile. I mean, it all just changes you and it's the most humbling race I've ever been a part of. So just to have that kind of um, moment yearly and, and that ego check, I think it's important for everybody. And what's your bucket list race? Can uh, just discount Boston? Yeah. Doing that this weekend. All right. So we have to move on. You have to choose a different one. Okay. So this is going to sound probably like real. Um, there is a marathon where my family vacationed as a kid in Estes Park, Colorado. And that's my bucket list marathon. Um, I want to run a marathon where I vacationed as a kid in the mountains because I absolutely love them. And it's probably, a, I think it's a smaller race. I actually don't even know the field, but that's, that's it right there. Like I, I'm all about like simple and nostalgic and that's my bucket list. 
All right. All right. Before we, before the last question, <laughs> I just want to say thank you. You, you've, you know, gone over an hour here on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been such a blast on my part. I didn't get a chance to talk to you about all of this. So thank you so much for, for all the time. Well, thank you, Matt. Um, I know I've said it before, but um, it really is truly awesome to have, like, one of our friends listen to us and let us tell our stories. And so we all appreciate you. Oh, that's nice of you to say. Well, <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the answer to this question, but I do appreciate the compliment you threw my way. <laughs> Who is your dream running partner? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, this is – I don't want to say this is like a throwaway answer because I never want to, like, force him into it. But I want to say my son um, because I hope that someday we can run together. And even if he isn't a runner, um, I, I would, like, hope that he would just kind of, like, do that for his mom, like, kind of like a teaser for, like, Mother's Day or something. I don't know. <laughs> just like, hey, I'll go for a run with you, Mom. Like, let's do this. He would probably be faster than me. Of course he would. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my, my dream running partner is just to run with my son someday. All right, Lincoln. You got you got one month. Mother's Day next <laughs> month. You got to step up your game, buddy. He does. <laughs> his running form is terrible, so we have some work to do. <laughs> Well, he is, he is still a little guy, you know, he has no clue what he's doing, but he tries. No, I, I, I do like your gate analysis. You throw it out there every once in a while. It's oh, pretty it's, funny. Oh, it's hideous. I mean, I'm just going to be honest, but that's what a mom can do, right? Like it just needs some work. So we'll get to it. I think potty training comes first and then we'll work on gate analysis. <laughs> Just yeah, like, priorities. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's just one long weekend after another. Just, oh, just God, bang them yeah. both out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate it. And good luck next Monday. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Thank you, Laura, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. This was a blast. I mean, I enjoy all of these conversations, and this one was no different. Uh, I'm really looking forward to doing Funny Stories Part 2, either next week or the week after, and putting it out to uh, the Rambling Runner listeners. The Rambling Runners, I guess I should say. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, also, big ups to Mercury Mile. You can visit them at mercurymile.com. $10 off. Uh, the, with the promo code Rambling Runner 10. Also, on your mark. They did a great job with the Rambling Runner t shirt. You can visit them at getonyourmark.com. That's Mark with a Q. Uh, that's also their IG handle. And if you use promo code for them, just Rambling Runner, you'll be able to save 10% on your purchase through April 30th. So, time is of the essence uh, with that one. So, hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for listening and happy running.